Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Sinkula, CEO of Digital Dawn, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Here on the Ecom Profit Podcast, I open Pandora's box and share with you and other ecom business owners weekly topics that will help you explode your business online. I outline my tried and true secret sauce, the D2D method, that's guaranteed to bring your business results. As an entrepreneur myself, I try to pull out all the same entrepreneurial passions in others. So get ready to be fired up about your business and let's have a great time. Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Sinkula, and today, oh, you guys, we have a special guest. This one is going to be amazing. We have Saritha Wilhelm, who is the founder and CEO of SJW Trucking and Deliveries LLC. And it's a third party logistics company that provides freight transportation, warehousing, and e-commerce order fulfillment services. And for any of you who have listened to my podcast at any point, you know that I am very passionate about logistics. I'm very passionate about fulfillment, and we are going to have an amazing conversation today. So welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you, Don. Thank you for having me. I am excited to be here today, and I just can't wait for all the fun stuff we're going to talk about. Oh, my gosh. Well, Saritha, this has been one topic for me that I think so many e-commerce brands just don't spend nearly enough time on. And I'm excited to get all your insight and your perspective. But before we get into all of that, you have an amazing background and, you know, tell the listeners all about kind of how you got to this point in where you're at in your career. Because women in logistics, it's, it's, it's not common. It's getting more common, but it's not as common. So tell everybody how you got to this place and, and your background. I love it. That is so true. There are not a lot of women uh, in this industry, but we're steady growing. Uh, it's very much so a male-dominated industry. So again, I'm Saritha Willingham, the founder and owner of SJW Logistics. We are a full-service 3PL, as you said, doing warehousing, fleet transportation, brokerage, and order fulfillment services. And I started my career actually in corporate America. I, I began with the Coca-Cola company working in the supply chain department. So that intrigued my interest into logistics because I was like, wow, all this has to happen just to get a soda. <laughs> so right. then I left there and moved on to uh, XPO Logistics, who are a full service 3PL. And I was an executive IT project manager there. And from there, I was able to learn the logistics industry top down. It was an amazing experience. And that's what got, actually gave me that entrepreneurial spirit to say, I think I can do this on a much lower scale. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you were corporate, because that's my background too, corporate executive, right? Worked, worked for Target for many years and um, jumped out, did my own thing then eight years ago and said, oh, I can do this better, I think, or I can do it for a different group of people. And I, I, that transition from working in corporate to being an entrepreneur is a challenging one, if I do say so myself. Would you agree that that's a little, <laughs> a little hard? Absolutely, it is challenging. Yes, it is very challenging. 
what are some things that you found to be kind of the biggest challenges before we get into how you actually came to be CEO of this massive company? What, what were some things that you really tried and maybe failed and tried and failed and, and things as you learned <laughs> what it takes? I think the biggest challenge for me is getting outside of my comfort zone. You know, you're used to stability when you work in corporate America. You're used to your check hitting every two weeks, you know, and becoming an entrepreneur. It was a lot of the unknowns. What if this happened? What is that? What if that happens? How am I going to handle this? I thank God for my uh, corporate America experience because I remember how I dreaded business continuity plans. And so I was able to put one in place myself for my company. So that I will say has been the, the biggest challenge is the unknowns and being an entrepreneur and being prepared and not have not having anyone that you could fall back on and depend on. You know, you are the person that makes the difference in your company. Right. And I think I agree with you. I, I'm very grateful for my time in corporate. I think it laid a good foundation for a lot of the skill sets that I need in my own company. And a lot of the things that, you know, we share with our own clients or we share with other people, you know, that foundation came from there. But there's a lot of on the job training when you become an entrepreneur that I guess, at least for me, I didn't anticipate as much of, you know, like, where are your computers broken? Who do you call? Or things don't go that way. Where do you, where do you go? How, how did you sort of realize, okay, I'm going to take this idea of logistics and I'm going to build this huge company out of this idea and I'm going to build a team and I'm going to have all these different things. Tell us a little bit about that formation and that process. How did you kind of come to, this is what I'm going to do and how I want to do it? Well, you kind of touched on it earlier about leaving corporate America. So in 2020, when the pandemic hit, I was granted the opportunity to be laid off because all my projects got put on hold. The economy shut down. And I spoke with my husband and I just told him, you know, for a long time, I've been saying I don't want to stay in corporate America my entire career. Maybe this is my opportunity to to grow my company and expand it so I do not have to come back. But I do not at the time we only had semi trucks. So I did not want to just depend on the semi trucks because they have so many maintenance issues and it's a lot of things. So I said, well, let's sit down and map out a business plan on it was my plan to not go back to corporate America, <laughs> as I call it. And um, we, we mapped out that plan and we jotted down several lines of businesses to be able to say which one is going to complement expanding from trucking into a full service 3PL and warehousing was what we landed on. That was the way I was able to, you know, decide like, okay, yes, this is going to work. And then I, I wrote down, you know, my art chart, what I needed, what funds would be needed, how much, everything that we could think of for yeah. planning to move into a warehouse and become a full service 3PL. And then we pulled the plug on it on December the 20th, uh, no, December 2020, and we moved into the warehouse. Oh my gosh. Right in the height of all of the things pandemic, like logistics and distribution and all of that was like really hard. And you decided this is the perfect opportunity to, to, to jump into it. What made you, I mean, other than 
you know, the idea of not going back to corporate, right, and, and doing something, what about logistics or the 3PL, was it that made you want to do it differently than what you had seen before? I mean, what were kind of your, what was your vision for this, you know, given? So that, that's a great question. I love answering that question. What made, what for me, I am a, a certified project manager, so I'm a planner. I like to have things organized. And one thing I saw in logistics world, it can be pretty chaotic. It can almost be like organized chaos in a way to some people, but to me, it was just chaotic. And I say, you know what? I think I can do this, do it better. I can treat drivers better because at the larger companies, they have so much, they have to manage my numbers, right? So I can manage by people and names. So there was a lot that went into it where I learned and said, you know, I can make a difference in one person's life. That means the world to me because I know how they feel, being that I heard so much feedback, so many surveys I had to do to implement systems and software. And like I said, I just have a passion for passion for helping people. So I was like, this will also give me the opportunity to help someone who is providing for their family. But the biggest thing that drove me there is, like I say, just trying to be organized and say, we don't have to do things this way. and You could probably get a better result. Yeah, I love that. And what I find oftentimes with people that I interview or people that, you know, work with us at the agency is that we oftentimes create either a product or a service based out of a problem that we've seen or based out of a need. And I love that that's your story as well, that you saw and you took an opportunity to make it better and to do it better than what you had seen before. And so now tell us a little bit about your current organization. Tell us about the size and what you guys really do. Kind of dig in a little bit for me on the actual services and functions that you have. Absolutely. So we have over 13 semi-trucks over the road. So we have our over-the-road drivers, and we're based here in Lithia Springs, Georgia, which is the Atlanta area. So we have local drivers, too, that do intermodal work with imports and exports. Then we also have our 22,000 square foot warehouse. And that is the business. I love my trucking side, but I really love my warehousing side. Uh, we have, over, like I said, we have over 22,000 square feet and wow. we have two parts to the warehouse. We have our dock side where we have four dock doors where we're able to load and unload trucks. But then we have our order fulfillment side. That side targets our e-commerce customers where we store their product and we fulfill their orders, whether they're business to consumer or business to business. And that side has been very eye opening for me. I've been able to learn so much about product owners and what they go through. Because, <laughs> you know, you're in logistics, you see things one way. Right. So um, but that those are the different divisions of our company. And what I really love about the, my company as a whole, we're able to provide everything on one invoice for our customers. So with mm. our e-commerce customers that we have in the order fulfillment center, when they get their product manufactured, they can call us and speak to my operations team to have their product picked up and delivered to our warehouse. Then if they have orders to fulfill, we can fulfill their orders and ship them out for them. And we can give them all one invoice. They don't have to worry about finding a carrier to get their product here or you know, someone to fill their orders. It's, it's a lot that we take off of their plate. Well, that's just magical. And we're going <laughs> to dig into that just a little bit more because I know so many e-com business owners that struggle really to find a really good one, 
logistics partner because I really feel like that's what you need is a is a logistics partner somebody who can really help with fulfillment as well as shipping and and processing to a certain degree and then like you said there's always the chaos of you know you've got to hire one company to go get it one company to fulfill it and it sounds like you're really uh for lack of a better word, kind of a one-stop shop where you can kind of take a lot of that off of e-com owners' plates. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you touched on something that I actually spoke about on LinkedIn is about having a partner you could trust. That's the biggest thing is with e-commerce is finding someone you could trust. (laughs) Partners you can trust. So let's talk about that a little bit. So you you said you learned a lot from e-com business owners and you've got maybe a different perspective than you ever had before on the things that product business owners go through. Give us some of those things that were kind of surprising for you or things that you've learned on the other side of it that maybe you haven't anticipated or expected. Sure. So one thing that really just took me back like, wow, is what I was talking about earlier, the unknown with being an entrepreneur, it's the unknown of their products. When they receive product in our warehouse, you know, they're trusting their manufacturer to manufacture each item to a certain spec. And the unknown of being able to receive your product and know if it's going to come out right. And then do you have time to inspect it all before you ship it to customers? So I learned, I commend all product owners because <laughs> what I've learned from them, it's really a lot of pressure on them because at the end of the day, you only get one chance for a first impression. So that that customer experience is everything. So just the pressure of that. Uh, So that was one thing I learned and I really got to see it from a different point of view from the customer when they're manufacturing that product. That's their brand. That's their baby. Right. That's what we all have put blood, sweat and tears into and, and the creative process and all the marketing and all the things that go with it to sell it. And then to trust that your manufacturer got it right. And then how that might end up in your hands and that you guys are going to process it correctly and that you're going to fulfill it in the way in which that e-com business owner really wants it packaged and processed and and handled with care. And and that's amazing. Yeah, it is tough being an e-com business owner right now too. And as you've kind of seen now through some of these challenging times with COVID getting really into this in 2021 and now into 2022 here, what, you know, manufacturing is having its own issues, right? And distribution is having issues as well. What are you seeing as some big challenges uh, that e-com business owners are facing when it comes to this side of their business? They are facing what everybody is facing. It's staffing issues. And, you know, we work with a lot of small to medium sized businesses. So it's not like they're manufacturing in their home. They're dependent on their manufacturers who are having staffing issues and hiring customers. And so one thing that I've noticed with that is like, I'll give an example. I won't call a name, but our customer who gets a food product manufacturer, I can't tell you how many times this came into our warehouse and it has no seasoning on it. <laughs> you know, and every time he contacts his manufacturer, they say, oh, we're having staffing issues. We're retraining people. It's a training issue. And, you know, I just feel so sorry because, you know, you got customers waiting on these orders and they come in wrong and it took you three, four weeks to get that product. And now 
you're having that you're, you got to go back through the cycle again i've seen customers like i said they have retail products in, in the toy section and they come in and their toys they have dolls their faces are smashed in you know or the face is the wrong size so and everybody's saying they're having the same struggle when you call as a product owner and say hey my product is not right i can't sell this and they say i'm so sorry i mean that's the best they can offer you is i'm sorry because they're having staffing issues right and staffing i think is going to become you know it, it it has been an issue but i think it's going to become an issue even in the future and i think that people are going to struggle with this ongoing and so what are you seeing if anything from a solution perspective with manufacturers and when it comes to your point are you like i mean are there specific manufacturers that are you know, in, in the U.S. and Canada that are doing a better job than maybe overseas, or is that making any difference at all? Or is it just kind of across the board having problems? From what I'm seeing, because some of my customers have manufacturers in the U.S. as well as overseas, I'm seeing that the, you know, the ones overseas can actually manufacture the product. They have the staffing, but they're still running into struggles of getting it shipped here because you got the shipping issues. Uh, People raising costs on shipping or, you know, the economy shut or that particular area shut down due to COVID. So even if they get it manufactured pretty right. quickly overseas, they still struggle two, three months before they can get it in the U.S. Um, so like I said, I, I see a different issue with everyone yeah. on that end where they are having to deal with the manufacturers and like I said, the supply chain issues, staffing issues. Hopefully it balances itself out soon, but yeah. I, I definitely see that. Well, you bring up a really interesting point around the cost of shipping and how e-com business owners maybe don't always factor that into their pricing model and maybe don't always recognize or realize that this price is fluctuating and changing depending on the market and things like that. What are some things that you've seen as far as market fluctuation with shipping costs, just even over this last year? I mean, I've heard things from like it's doubled, it's tripled, it's not even possible in certain cases. What are some things that you're seeing from the actual shipping side of things? I'm seeing exactly what you've heard where they're saying that, you know, it's double, is triple. We get to see it firsthand. Again, we have a trucking side. We have a brokerage side. So today's price is not tomorrow's price. Uh, I've seen where shipping stuff LTL, I might have shipped the pallet from Atlanta, Georgia to Chicago, Illinois, which is about 800 miles for just one pallet for $300, where now they want $1,200 for that. Mm. one pallet for my customers. So I'm having to have those tough conversations with our customers to tell them that, you know, I understand that you have contracts in place where you've sold this product to your customer and you need it shipped there. And sometimes I see the product, the shipping costs more than the product does, you know, And, and that's tough, you know, because they have to call their customer and say, Hey, can we, Split the shipping costs. You know, they, they have to work out a deal or something, but no one is winning in that situation when that happens. It's unfortunate to everyone, but it, it is very true that the shipping costs change day to day and it's hard to lock in a, a price. And what I found with a lot of our customers is they don't consider shipping 
when they get those big deals. I've seen them get big deals with Targets and Walmarts and they, they sell their product to them, but then they didn't factor in, well, the pro when they don't want it in their distribution center at this time, it has to sit into a warehouse <laughs> until right. they cut you a PO and say, now you can send it to me to stock into your shelves. And a lot of people don't realize when getting the deals with the big retailers, they'll sign that dotted line. They'll tell you when they're going to cut that PO, but that PO may not be cut for three to six months later because they got to make space. Yeah. They got to do a lot to get you into that, that store. Yeah. You know, I, there's so many things there to talk about. And I, I think, you know, when you work with small to medium business owners, I think a lot of times they always feel like getting into the big box retailers is going to kind of catapult them. And a lot of times it does, right? And it, and it is, and it's amazing. And you all want to strive for whatever that looks like for you. But there's a real cost factor of doing business with those big box retailers. And you touched on some of that just in the shipping and the warehousing piece. So you're seeing businesses in that small, medium size or, or whatever size that have these deals and then they're like upside down on costs in, in certain cases. And maybe the deal maybe will give them more traction and give them brand awareness and credibility and all those things. But the cost of doing that business, particularly right now, it's so, so high and they're not factoring that in. Yeah. That's no. Tough stuff. So what recommendations or ideas do you have for small business owners as they kind of start to think more so about, because I feel like, and correct me if you think differently, but I feel like this is not necessarily going to go away anytime soon as far as shipping costs and distribution challenges. I feel like this is not, you know, we're, we're not at the end of this. So how do small business owners, you know, navigate this this kind of area and how should they think about this when they're either pricing or thinking about fulfillment from that perspective? That's a great question. I, my advice would be to small business owners is to slow down. I know it's exciting when a Walmart or a Target or whoever, one of those big retailers call you and say, we really love your product. We want to buy it from you, put it in your store, but slow down, slow down and Take your time to think things over, look at your costs, and consult with a 3PL, consult with a warehouse, ask for pricing before you agree to sell to that retailer. Because again, the shipping costs change from day to day, but you can, we, 3PLs can give you an average, the worst case, worst case scenario and a best case scenario. Take that and factor it in and then negotiate with them. A lot of times small businesses think they can't negotiate with the big ones. Negotiate with them and tell them, like, look, I have to factor in shipping. I have to factor in marketing. I have to factor in all these things because what it costs me to sell it direct is not the same as what it costs to sell to you. And then you sell it to someone else. So that would be my advice to them is just slow down, take a step back and consult with a mentor or a coach or in, in a 3PL or a shipping company, just so you can get some real life prices to factor into your cost analysis. That's a great, a great recommendation. And I think so many people miss that piece. And even if you're not working with a big box retailer, would you recommend that small to medium sized business owners that need a fulfillment center call around and i mean is that part of the process should you be calling 3pls and asking questions like that or is that only for really big companies that have lots to do 
No, great question. Thanks for bringing that up. No, I recommend they call even for the small companies that, you know, are not in the big retail. Call around because another thing as a product owner, you don't want to get caught up in filling orders in your basement or in your garage too long. You want to grow your company. You don't want to do that. Say, hey, I'm selling online, but my days and weekends are consumed packing orders and getting them off the UPS and USPS. Call around. Go ahead on and budget that in working with the 3PL, letting them do their job and you do your job of sales and marketing and growing the company. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, I will tell you, I don't know that there are a lot of people that really do that when they start factoring into scaling their business or starting to understand. We have clients that we've worked with that are really growing and expanding and they are struggling to find. And, you know, that advice of just saying like, just pick up the phone and, and look around and say, hey, I, you know, I'm looking for some, some help here. Do you guys do what I need you to do? And what's the price with that? And do you guys negotiate price? Do you work with small business owners on deals and things like that? I'm sure you do, but you know, yes. It's, yeah. Yes, we do. We, we have a questionnaire that we fill out and it's, it's so funny because on our questionnaire, I think that's the question that has me, has me laughing the most is when I say, what size boxes do you have? What size boxes do you use to fulfill your orders? And none of them ever know the size. This <laughs> so is so funny. And, uh, and, you know, like I said, but it's all part of logistics. If we're going to ship it, we need to know the size box. And, you know, um, and they'll say, well, I just find a box at home when I have to use a box or I put it in a bag. And, you know, like. So just being able to talk through that, but we do, we consult, even if they don't go with our service, we still consult. We have them fill out the questionnaire. We make recommendations. We tell them how we think they could save money. We have a standard price for, you know, order fulfillment services and fulfilling orders. We do not have an order minimum because we know as small business owners, you cannot guarantee, you know, so many orders per week or so many orders per day. So we try to be flexible to work with them. Again, we try to show partnership. Like, hey, we're here for you. Yeah. We're here to help you grow and take a load off of you by fulfilling your orders so you can focus on other things. Well, that's a real key part when you have those conversations about minimum orders and, and all those kinds of things, because that is a unique factor that you're playing into this as being a good partner and being somebody who really can be considered part of the team. Because we all know that business fluctuates and we'd all love to say that we can guarantee that we're going to sell thousands of orders a week, but sometimes it doesn't happen. And I know there's other distribution fulfillment centers that really they'll penalize you for that. Or if your product sits in the warehouse for too long, you know, you'll get pallet fees and, you know, just different things that you don't as a business owner necessarily understand or factor into. So I love that you're willing to have those conversations and to be a partner for even the smaller businesses that may not quite, you know, have their feet about them yet. So that's amazing. That's amazing. So, okay. I'm going to ask you one final question as we kind of wrap up here. So if you could kind of look back hindsight and you were to maybe um, give yourself some advice on what you would have done differently, what is your kind of one or two takeaways that you wish you would have known had you started on this entrepreneurial journey what what lessons have you learned <laughs> so i've learned a lot of lessons uh one big lesson i tell everybody i would have did more research 
and learn the different lines of business because I did. I came into the industry the traditional way that everybody says buy a truck and put a driver in and get started. But I didn't know other lines of business because, again, I was naive from a one point of view. That was IT technology. <laughs> so I would definitely say uh, I tell everybody, get you several. Don't just get one. Get you several mentors and coaches. Tell people your ideas. Get that guidance. Research. Document the plan. And then execute it. <laughs> Don't spend too much time on it. Don't, you know, don't spend too much time thinking because years will have passed. Go ahead on, put it together, and then execute that plan. Right. Analysis paralysis, right? Sometimes yes. <laughs> we, over, we overthink our plans. I love that. So kind of, you know, in in that same breath, I think that there are so many business owners that, you know, do maybe not enough research or they don't think about it enough or to the nth degree, they think about it too much and then they never execute. So finding that balance between doing your research and finally executing it is it's great advice and, and something that I think all of our listeners can benefit from. So thank you for sharing that. And if, as we start to wrap up now, I want to make sure that people know where they can find you and where they can go for more information, because I would really encourage our small to medium sized business owner listeners to reach out and to find out at least some information from these guys on whether or not they would be a great fulfillment opportunity for you or great warehousing for you. So where can people find you if they want to um, get more information? Absolutely. So the quickest way to find us is going to our website, sjwlogistics.com, or if you do sjwtrucking.com, it'll take you to the same website. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Saritha Willingham or at SJW Logistics. We're on Facebook at SJW Logistics, and we're on Instagram at SJW Logistics. Amazing. I highly encourage our listeners to reach out and to uh, find out if you would be a good fit. But this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and telling us all about the insights of logistics. I loved hearing it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Okay, everybody. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you've heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to see if you're a good fit to work with the Digital Dawn team, head over to digitaldawnagency.com forward slash contact and let's book a call. Thanks so much again and until next time.